Welcome to River Edge Podcasts. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. So what we're going to talk about today is uh, the story of my life. Not my life, but you have a story of your life as well. We all have a story. And we all love a story, don't we? Who loves a good story? Who loves a good movie? Who loves a good book? Who loves a good Netflix series? Yeah, we all do. We, you know, we. That's why we have Netflix. That's why we have. What else do we have? Uh, Apple TV. It's why we have. It's why we go to the cinema. It's why we have iTunes. It's why we have novels. We go to bed and read at the end of the day to wind down. So, we all love a good story. Apparently, apparently my PowerPoint has gone to sleep. It'll come. It'll wake up. It'll wake up any minute now. So, yeah, our brains are wired for narrative. Our brains are wired for stories. That's the way that God created us. He created us to love a story um, because he had a great story that he wanted all of us to live And he had a great story in mind. He had a great narrative in mind when he sent his son to the world. A great example for us to follow. And that's why Jesus told parables because he knows that we remember stories. And they mean something to us. And we learn better when we learn from a narrative. When we hear a story, it stays with us, doesn't it? Yeah? Who loves a story? Who loves reading? You know, we, we read on um, Kindles now, don't we? I still like to read out of books. It's just something about that tactile turning of the pages that I enjoy. But Kindles are good. So we all have a story. Is it working yet? Oh, the story of my life. Can we have a look at the next one? This is We All Love a Story. That's why we go to the cinema and eat popcorn. And we all have a story. So what is your story? That's how we get to know people, isn't it? We ask them, tell me something about yourself. Tell me your story. And when we want people to get to know us, we tell them our story. That's how we relate. It's how we converse. It's how we allow each other into our lives is by telling our story. And our story begins before we, we can even speak, doesn't it? When we are in the womb, other people are already speaking over us what our story is going to be. Like this, this baby, our mother might say this baby is going to be active because it never stops moving. This child is going to be full on. She, already she's telling our story. Or this child is placid, it sleeps a lot. This baby is going to sleep for me all night. She's already telling our story. And then when we're born, before we can speak, family members start telling our story. Oh, she has her mother's eyes. She has her father's hair. He has his grandfather's determined personality or whatever, you know. People are already speaking a story over us before we can even speak. And it becomes part of our identity, what other people say over us. It becomes part of our story. It becomes part of what we believe about our identity. So it starts from the very beginning. 
And our teachers have a role to play in our story, don't they? Sometimes they're the ones that help us discover our strengths, our interests. Sometimes they're the ones that encourage us to pursue our passions. Sometimes they're the ones that might make us believe that we're not very clever, you know, which is a bit sad. But then some of us become very determined and prove them wrong. So that's good. So, you know, there are many um, contributions to our story. But there's one who is speaking our story over us before our parents even knew that we had been conceived. There is one that was singing over us while he was knitting us together in our mother's womb. That's what it tells us in Psalms and that's what it tells us in Zephaniah, that he sings over us and that we are wonderfully made, that he knit us together in our mother's womb. And when he knit us together in our mother's womb, He, the author of our existence, was deciding what characteristics we were going to have, what talents he was going to put within us, what passions he was going to put within us, what gifts he was going to put within us. He was the author of all of that. And he, as our original father, he was the original author of our narrative. So he needs to be the biggest voice in our story. He needs to be the most prominent voice in our story because he designed us and he knows us better than anybody else. So it's him that we need to go to for answers. It's him that we need to go to for direction. It's him that we need to go to for clarification, for comfort of who we are and what we're here for and where we're meant to go. He is, is the author of our life. Yeah? Does that make sense? We all like stories that make sense, don't we? Yeah? Chelsea was reading a book the other day. She was down to the last 30 pages and she said, oh no, I don't think they have enough time to resolve everything that's been going on for the book, the whole book. I don't know if they're going to wrap it all up. I think they're going to leave me hanging. There's nothing worse than being left hanging. When you've spent all those hours reading a novel and then you just know they're not going to answer all those questions. They've been keeping you up at night. And then you're going to have to wait for the next edition of the story. Maybe two years. Wait for the next movie to come out so that it can be resolved. We, we like resolution, don't we? We like closure. We like everything to be neatly bundled up and explained to us, don't we? So when we don't have that, this is the reason that we all create stories. There's another slide. <laughs> it worked. We all create stories. Because we want answers, we want explanations, we want to know why, we want to know how. So if there's anything unexplained, we will, this is the way our brains work, we will create a story to explain it to ourselves. You do this and I do this every single day. We create a story around a scenario to answer our questions. So for example... If um, you meet someone down the street and they, you smile at them, you wave at them and they just walk straight past you. And you're like, hmm. Unexplained. Narrative happening. <laughs> 
to explain that. So you can either make that person into a villain and go, well, how rude are they? They don't even want to acknowledge me on the street. They, I'm sure they saw me and they walked straight past me. How rude are they? Who does that? Or you can create you into the victim and say, well, why would I think they would want to talk to me anyway? I'm not really good enough to be their friend. Why would I expect them to stop and talk to me? I don't really have many friends. You become the victim of the story. Or, alternatively, you can create an explanation that is kind to them and kind to you, which says, okay, maybe they looked busy. Maybe they didn't see me. I'm sure if they saw me, they would have waved and said hi. Easy, right? That is the best story to create by the way, because when we create kind stories, when we come to a kind conclusion to ourselves and to someone else, that is better for our soul than to go down the negative road or the accusational road or the self-condemning road. Shut all those gates to those roads. You don't want to do any of those narratives. You want to create a conclusion and a narrative that is kind to yourself and kind to others. It is so much better for your soul to choose a healthy story and it will affect your future. It will affect how you react to that person next time you see them. Whether you see them as a villain or yourself as a victim will determine how you interact with them. The stories that we create every day have a huge impact on our future that have a huge impact on our strength and our psyche and the health of our soul. Enormous. They have a huge impact on what we go on to achieve or don't achieve. What we're brave enough to face and what we hide from. They have a huge impact, the narratives that we believe. For example, in the late medieval period in Europe, there was a mental health issue and this is a fact, called glass delusion, where people, people actually believed they were made of glass. They believed that they could fracture really easily. And this affected King Charles VI of France. King Charles VI of France, France, actually believed that he was made of glass. So he used to wrap himself in padded clothing and a blanket and not let anyone touch him in case he shattered. Now that seems ludicrous, doesn't it? Completely ludicrous. But maybe there's stories that some of us are believing that are stopping us from living life to the full. Maybe we're protecting ourselves, wrapping ourselves up, patting ourselves, not allowing people too close because we believe we're fragile. We believe we might break, we might get hurt. Come on, we need to live a little. We need to be bold and believe some brave stories. We need to believe the best of others and believe the best of ourselves and take some chances and see what God can do. Let's believe that God can do something amazing in any situation, that he can be the hero of any narrative, that he can give us the strength to face anything. Come on, let's believe more stories like that and stop believing the stories that we need to hide and that something bad's going to happen. And that people think the worst of us. That's the enemy lying to you. 
When he says you can't, that's a lie. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. When the enemy says God left you in that situation and you were alone, that's a lie because he says I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will never leave you alone. Don't believe that. That's a lie. We need to recognise the lies of the enemy when he comes and whispers them into our ear and stop believing him and stop agreeing with him and stop allowing him to cause you to shrivel up and, and shrink back when you need to break out and step up and say, no, God is for me. God has always been with me. God will always be with me. He will give me the strength that I need to face whatever comes my way because that's my story. That has always been my story. That will always be my story. And enemy, I'm not going to listen to your lies and your crappy narrative that you're trying to feed me. It's a load of rubbish. Come on, we need to brave up and get some... Big stories happening. Stop settling for piddly little stories that don't influence anything or anyone, that make us believe less than what God created us for. There's this thing called narrative therapy, which I used to use on the kids sometimes at school. Psychologists and therapists use it when someone is believing something sad about their life or something that contains them. So you ask them to tell you the story of their life. You know, that maybe they were adopted and they believe that they were never wanted or something like that. And so you suggest, maybe, is there a different way that you could see that story? And so they think about it and they go, a lot of the time they will actually come up with an alternative themselves. They might actually go, maybe my parents did want me, but maybe they were really young. Yes, maybe that. Maybe they thought that someone else could give you a better life. Maybe they did. And so then they replace this self-destructive story with a better scenario that strengthens them and makes them feel valued. You know, that's narrative therapy. Because um, this, this guy, Dan McAdams, he's an expert in narrative therapy. And he says that we all make narrative choices about our stories um, that, that back up what we believe about ourselves. So, for example, you know, and we, we interpret events of our lives differently. For example... A childhood experience of learning to swim by being thrown into a pool might be interpreted by one person as the reason why they're so resilient and tough. Might be the same situation of being thrown into a pool might be interpreted by someone else as the reason why they don't trust authority figures and they're afraid of water. <laughs> Two completely different interpretations of the same event, right? So we interpret the things that happen to us very differently. And we... Um, we construct a story to make sense of our life. We construct a story to make sense of this is the way I am, this is where I am because of this, right? For example, if I wanted to tell you a story about me being a good athlete in school, okay, I would selectively string together a number of events that happened over my time at school 
that will support my belief that I was a good athlete in school. All right, so I might select, for the purpose of my story, events such as winning the 100-metre sprint in year eight. Yes. (laughs) Coming second in high jump and representing the school in year eight at the Country Victorian Athletics Competition in Kyneton, right? I'm selecting certain events because they're important because they support the main plot that I'm building, that I'm a good athlete. I would therefore overlook other facts of my life. For example, we only had about 50 students enrolled in high school, so the competition wasn't exactly fierce, okay? (laughs) And by the time I got to year nine, I stopped growing and everyone else kept growing, so that was the end of my high jump career. (laughs) It was good while it lasted, right? But I would selectively pick out the parts that, that go with the story that, that I want to believe, that I was a good athlete in high school. So this is what we do. We select events that support what we believe. Um, but, you know, sometimes we need to explore other options that tell a more positive story. Not everything that we tell ourselves is true and not every thought that we have is true. So this is where we need to ask the Holy Spirit to come in and help us to to edit the narrative of our life. We need to ask him to see our life through his eyes and through God's purpose for us. And this is a really important step in allowing our Father to be the dominant voice in our story. So some of us need to take a big fat highlighter in one hand and we need to prayerfully go back through the story of our life and we need to highlight the times that we knew that God was comforting us, the times that we knew that God was hearing us, the times that we knew that God was with us, the times that we knew that God was answering us, the times that we knew that God was working on our behalf, when he was surrounding us with people that would share their faith with us, when he was surrounding us with people that were praying for us, supporting us, when he was going before us and making the way clear for us, when he was encouraging us. We need to get a big fat highlighter and we need to highlight those parts of our lives so that that's the narrative that stands out to us. That's the narrative that encourages us. That's the narrative that strengthens us. And we need to take our big, fat, white-out pen and we need to white out all the times that we got swamped by doubt and all the times that we gave in to fear and all the times that we believed that he wasn't listening and that he wasn't answering us and he wasn't with us. We need to edit all those bits out of our story because they don't do anything for us. They don't encourage us and it doesn't serve us well to meditate on those things and to, do, to dwell on those things doesn't give us any strength or any hope for the future. So why do we pay any attention to those parts of our story? Because that's what the enemy wants us to focus on. Dr. Dan McAdams, the narrative therapy specialist, said people who believe their lives are meaningful, and this guy as far as I know, isn't even a Christian. But he said they tend to live a story of redemption where they believe that they're in control of their lives, which you might say, but God's in control of my life. But no, he has given us a lot of power to make choices, 
to make positive choices and to take responsibility for our choices. So we have a certain amount of autonomy. They believe they're in control of their lives. They are loved and they are progressing through life. And whatever obstacles they may encounter will be redeemed by good outcomes. People that live positive lives believe that. People that live less meaningful lives tend to believe a narrative of contamination that their lives are going from good to bad. That is not a positive mindset to allow yourself to have. If you have that mindset, you need to challenge that mindset. Research shows there's three different places that our life satisfaction come from. Our level of life satisfaction or our level of happiness. A certain amount comes from our genetic disposition. We're all born with a propensity towards positivity or negativity, and we tend to get that from our genes. So how much of our happiness do you think comes from our genetic disposition? Oh, it's there. I just thought you were all really clever. 50% we can thank our parents for, okay? Only 10% of our happiness comes from our life experiences. I don't know about you, but I thought it was bigger than that. I thought at least 50% would depend on what happens to us, our circumstances. But research shows it's only actually 10%. So... That takes a lot of our excuses away, doesn't it? Well, I'm like this because that happened to me and I'm like this because that happened to me and I'm afraid of that because this happened to me and I don't want to face that because this happened to me. 40%, almost half of our happiness comes from our the intentional things that we do in order to see our world as more positive or negative. So not what happens to us, but what we do with what happens to us. How we process what happens to us. Whether we choose to see it as containing or empowering. Whether we choose to see it as positive or negative. Whether we choose to come out of it stronger or whether we choose to run and hide. 40% of our happiness is connected to how we process It all goes on between our ears. Joyce Meyer has a book called The Battlefield of the the Mind because it all goes on up here, doesn't it? So much. That's why we need to be good stewards of what goes on in here. We need to manage our brain matter. We need to manage our grey matter. Think about what we're thinking about. So we're going to go through... Four habits of people with healthy narratives. Four things that people do that live positive lives, that feel empowered, that feel positive about their future. Who wants to hear what they are? (laughs) Who's awake? You're amazing. You're all amazing. Number one, people who have healthy narratives... Challenge what is truth and what is assumption. We all make a lot of assumptions in life, like I was saying before. If we don't understand something, we'll make a story to explain it. That is an assumption. 
But a lot of the time we treat our assumptions like they're the truth. And we act on our assumptions like they're the truth. And we actually start to believe that they're the truth. And we treat other people thinking that our assumptions about them are true when they are not necessarily true. So we need to become good at challenging. Is this the truth or is this the story I'm believing? And we need to change our language sometimes and, and ask somebody, I'm feeling like this. Am I seeing this correctly or do you see it differently? We've started saying this in our family because we've been talking about this stuff. A phrase that we've started using is the story I'm believing is da-da-da-da-da. Because we know it's not necessarily the truth, but it's the conclusion that we've come to. And then it gives the opportunity for someone else to bring a different perspective. Oh, but I see it this way. Or, no, I don't think you're seeing it correctly. So we need to challenge what is truth and what we're assuming. There's a big difference. 2 Corinthians 10, 3-5 says, Though we walk in the flesh, in these bodies... We do not war against the flesh because we're in a spiritual battle and the enemy is coming in and trying to feed us narratives that will bring division and that will bring contention and that will cause us to shrink back. So we're not waging war in the flesh. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty in God for pulling down strongholds that get built in our minds, for casting down arguments that we have believed and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of who God is and who we are, bringing every thought into captivity, capturing every thought, analysing every thought. Is it true? Is it an assumption? Does it line up with what the Word of God says? Or is it just a story I'm believing? Bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ and who He says we are. Bringing every thought. Not treating every thought that comes into our head like it's the truth, but capturing it. One, um, one version, which I love, says demolishing every argument. Demolishing every argument. Sometimes we need to get a spiritual sledgehammer and demolish the arguments, the stories that we've been believing. Smash them and get them out of your head. Demolish every argument. Pull down every stronghold, everything that drains your strength, everything that makes you believe, I can't do this anymore. It's a lie. It's a lie of the enemy and you need to demolish it with the spiritual sledgehammer. Jesus said you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Number two, people with healthy narratives They believe narratives which are kind to themselves and others. Like I said before, it's good for your soul to be kind. Because sometimes we think, oh, we need to be kind because it's good for other people. It's actually good for your soul to be a kind person. To choose to think good about somebody else releases healthy chemicals into your brain. 
when you think condemning things about somebody else and you start accusing, catastrophizing, carrying on like a pork chop, it releases negative chemicals into your brain. It's not good for you. It's good for you to be kind. So believe narratives that are kind to others and kind to yourself. You will treat other people in a more loving way when you choose to see Jesus in them. You will treat other people in a more loving way when you value them, when you believe in them, when you see goodness in them. You will treat them and you will treat yourself better when you value yourself. Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength and love your neighbour as yourself. Stephen spoke about the power of words. God has given us authority to creatively speak over our lives. The third thing, third point about people with healthy narratives, positive stories, people with hope, choose to take personal responsibility for their lives. They choose to take personal responsibility. We can spend a lot of time blaming people for the way we are or what we can do or what we can't do. But there comes a point where we need to say, that was my past, but now I choose. That was my past, but now I choose. Now I choose to see myself differently. Now I choose to face my fears. Now I choose to pursue what God has called me to pursue. I choose not to speak to their, neg- not to listen or entertain their negative words anymore. I choose to meditate on the Word of God and to believe that about myself. When we say, I can't, we're seeing ourselves as a victim. But when we say, I choose, then we're taking responsibility for our lives. We need to stop saying, I can't, and start saying, I choose. Instead of saying, I can't forgive that person, let's be honest and say, I'm choosing not to, but I want to choose to forgive them. I can't overcome that fear. Let's be honest and say, I don't want to overcome that fear. I choose not to, but maybe in the future, I will choose to overcome that fear. We need to take personal responsibility for our lives. Chelsea said last week when she was speaking that when we recognise the truth, we start to recognise, which means our brain starts to renew. It starts to change the way that it thinks. It starts to recalibrate and see things in a more balanced way. And that's what Romans 12 talks about where it says, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed, be changed by renewing, recognising, thinking in a more positive way, by transforming and renewing your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing and perfect will for your life. 
Renewing our mind is something we do in cooperation with the Holy Spirit. It's not something that happens overnight when we get saved. It's an ongoing regenerative process where we cooperate with the Holy Spirit. We allow Him to change our thinking. We go through and we edit the story of our life. And we see the Holy Spirit where He's been with us the whole time. And we change it according to His story. We must change the way we think before we can change the way we behave. From the inside out. From glory to glory. He's changing us from the inside out. And the fourth point, the last point. Is people who have healthy narratives prayerfully edit their story. Like I was talking about before where you get the highlighter and you go through and you edit your story. Jesus said, I go to the Father but I leave my spirit with you and he will be your comforter and he will be your counsellor and he will guide you and he will lead you. So he is here with us and he needs to be the editor and chief of our story. Maybe it's time for a new edition of your life story where you edit out all the, all the bits that you've believed that aren't the truth and where you allow the Holy Spirit to come in and rewrite your story and you, you release a new edition of your brave story, a new edition of your story of growth, a new edition of your story where you allow the Holy Spirit to lead you and guide you and remind you that He's always been for you. He's always been with you and He always will be for you and He always will be with you. Even small edits to our personal narrative will have such a powerful effect on our lives. Ask the Holy Spirit if there's any lies that you're believing that are holding you back. Any lies that you're believing that are making you feel weak instead of strong. Any lies that you're believing that are stopping you from progressing into the next chapter of your life. Some of us get stuck in chapter two and we should be in chapter five by now and the Holy Spirit's going, come on, come on. All the good stuff happens in chapter 5, but you've got to leave chapter 2. You've got to leave chapter 2 behind you. You've got to get over it and you've got to move on into chapter 5 because God's got good things for you. And He wants you to be strengthened by His Spirit and move forward. It's a story of redemption. Our Redeemer lives and He walks with us every single day story of redemption. Let's stand. When we were, re- when we were singing that song, you're never going to let me down. The enemy will even try to come in in times like that and speak into our lives and say, well, God did let you down. Remember this time? Remember that time? Remember when this happened?
is lying to you because it says in the Word of God that in all things He is able to work together for good for those who love God and are called according to His purpose. So whatever we've been through, whatever we've been through, He is able to bring good out of it and turn it around for our good because we're all called according to His purpose. So He will never let us down. Even when we've been through tough stuff, He will bring good out of it. Even when we felt alone, He will remind us that He was there comforting us. He will never let us down. People will let us down. Circumstances will let us down. He will never let us down. He will never let us down. He has a redemptive story. A story of redemption. A story of hope for us. Hope in a future. Hope in a future. Thanks for joining today. It would be so awesome to see you at church this Sunday. If you'd like to know more about service times or simply want to find out more about church, head to our website, riveredgechurch.com.au.